this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. I'm preaching today on this subject simply, don't quit now. Say that with me, don't quit now. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, look them in the eye and say that to them. Don't quit now. I heard a story about, a true story, about a man named Darby. He lived back in the 1800s during the California gold rush. He was from the northeast United States, and he had gotten gold fever. So he sold everything he uh, had, and he left and went out to California. It wasn't long after he got a pick and a shovel and started digging for gold that uh, he struck something shiny and realized that he had found what he had gone to California for. And boy, if he had gold fever before he started, now he really had gold fever. In fact, he found so much gold that uh, he didn't have the right kind of equipment to get all that gold out of the ground. So all that he had left was that house in Maryland. Everything else he had sold off, but he had a house and a little piece of property. And so he went all the way back to Maryland. He covered up that little claim in California, quietly went back to Maryland, stayed there for just a short time, long enough to sell his house and property there. He then moved back to California, taking the money from the sale of the house and the property, and he bought some, sure enough, mining equipment, drilling equipment to drill down to find the rest of that gold and bring it up out of the ground. Well, he drilled on and he brought gold up out of the ground so much that he uh, has now paid for the equipment that he bought. And then he uh, drilled a little further and the unexpected happened. The gold was gone. He didn't know what to do. He sold everything he had to buy all that gold-digging equipment, and now the bottom of his gold mine is dry. Nothing there. So frustrated, he sells all of his equipment and that little claim to a junk dealer, and he moves back to Maryland with just enough money, money to buy back his old house, his old land, and go back to his old life. Well, the junk man, as the story goes, was curious. He had all this digging equipment, and he had a worthless claim, so he thought, but he called in an expert, and he said, I want you to look at this old gold mine that's supposed to be dry. Well, the expert did some calculations and told the man, the junk dealer, he says, it appears as though the last fellow that was digging here has hit a fault line. And if you'll dig just a little bit further, you may pick the vein up again. So he uh, got all that equipment, and not knowing what he was doing, he just learned how to use that drill, and he drilled on down beyond that fault line, and sure enough, he hit the mother load. He hit a jackpot of gold, and by the time it was all said and done, just three feet short of where the Maryland man named Darby stopped, the junk dealer from California literally hit a gold mine. He took millions of dollars up from that gold mine, and Darby, on the other hand, now sits back in Maryland, 
missing out on a great reward because when hard times come, we quit too soon. I tell that little story today because in these last eight verses of Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews really echoes the words of Jesus in John 16 and 33. When Jesus said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus prepared his disciples after they started following him that life was not going to be easy. And in this book of Hebrews, the believers here, these new converts, they had set their course on following the Lord. But now hard times have come. Now they're learning that they have a real enemy in the Christian life, the old devil. And the devil doesn't like what's happening in their lives. So the devil's going to do anything and everything he can do to throw them off course. He's going to try to scare them through persecution. He's going to try to discourage them. He's going to try to defeat them. The devil wants those new believers to stop just three feet short of the goal. And that's why at the last part of Hebrews 10, after this fourth warning in the book, we come to one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. Now, the writer of Hebrews says it's not time to quit. Now's not the time to give up. Now's the time after you get saved to understand that you're in a battle. You're, you're experiencing everything you signed up for when you got saved. You're in a battle between good and evil. You've chosen by faith to stand on the side of him who is right. And now the devil doesn't like it. Now the devil's going to fight you. But be of good cheer, the Lord says. I have overcome the world. Now I want you to know, friend, today, if Jesus has overcome the world and you're in Christ, your victory is the victory that Jesus won on Calvary Hill. I want you to know the devil would like for you and me to think that it's just not worth it to serve God. I want you to know the devil would like you to just turn back to the old way that you live and, and just, you know, just just quit doing whatever you're doing right now for God. But the writer of Hebrews says, now is no time to turn back. I remember when I was a kid, I remember we used to learn the little song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And so this morning, I want to just preach on this subject, don't quit now. There's no reason to stop when we're this close to home. This is not a time to retire, or Bobby Thompson said, it's a time to refire. Load up and go again. Somebody say Amen. I want to give you two things from this passage that I pray will be an encouragement to your heart today. The first instruction in this passage in Hebrews is this. Number one, we need to look back and remember. Look back and remember. Look in verse number 32. The Bible says, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after you were illuminated you endured a great type of affliction. After these Jews gave their life to the Lord Jesus, they entered into a battle. They had defected from the old army that they were in, the army of the devil, and now they signed up to serve in the army of the Lord. They're soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you what happens when you go from serving in the army of the devil to serving in the army of the Lord. 
What happens when you get saved is now your old master has suddenly become your enemy. Let me say that again. When you get saved, your old master now has become your enemy. And you can be sure, dear friend, that your enemy is going to fight you now with all that he's got. And because of that, that's what the Jews are going through. The writer of Hebrews reminds them in these next few verses that through all the fighting and all the affliction, they need to look back and remember that as hard as it was, God brought them through it. God brought them through it. Look, look in verse 32. He says at the end of verse 32, he says, He endured a great fight of affliction. And when they got saved, life didn't get easy. In fact, when you get saved, oftentimes life gets harder. It gets harder. I hope nobody told you when you became a Christian that living for God was easy. Because it's not, friend, and I don't just uh, subscribe to what these joy boys on TV tell you about, oh, just have enough faith and everything will go okay, and have enough faith and give a little more and you'll have uh, your coffers full of gold and your health will never wear out. Well, friend, I'm looking for my health to wear out one day. How else am I going to get to heaven? Somebody say amen. Life living it for Jesus isn't easy. It wasn't true in the book of Hebrews. Not true today. They endured a great fight of afflictions. Look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, Partly while she were made a gazing stop, both by reproaches and afflictions. That word gazing stop is the Greek word theatrizo. Theatrizo. Uh, that doesn't help you any this morning unless you know that that's where we get our word theater. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying, I saw your life. I saw what the devil and his crowd has done to you. They have so afflicted your life that they have literally taken you and made a gazing stock out of you. Like somebody going and watching a movie for entertainment. But like somebody goes to the theater and watches a show to be entertained, that's what the devil's crowd takes in your displeasure. They, they count it as entertainment, as joy. They, they watch you go through hard times and they laugh and they get great pleasure out of it. You see, these new Christians were being persecuted. They were being shamed publicly. They were being ridiculed publicly for their faith in the Lord. But it wasn't just the new converts, it was the, it was the old converts too. I mean, you think about the apostles. Peter and John arrested for healing a lame man. James, the apostle, was martyred. He was beheaded for following Jesus. Stephen, the young deacon, was stoned to death just outside the gate of Jerusalem. Peter was imprisoned. And a man with an axe to grind against Christianity, a man named Saul of Tarsus, had been commissioned by the Sadducees to go and uproot anything and everything Christ that was spreading around the land. His job was to go around and either have them killed or have them thrown in jail for following Jesus. So these Jews had been in a fight of their life. No wonder it was easy for some of them to say, you know what, this may not be worth it. We may just need to chill out a little bit. We may need to just cool it a little bit on this Christianity thing. If it's not getting us thrown in jail, it's getting us beat up. If it's not getting us beat up, it's getting us killed. And, and we're really scared to death. Verse number 34. 
The writer of Hebrews says, For you had compassion of me in my bonds. For those of you that think Paul might have wrote the book of Hebrews, there's a case for you to think that maybe it was the Apostle Paul that wrote this book. The writer had been in prison himself. But it says, uh, it says that they had compassion of him. And look at the next part. And they took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. He said, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. What does that mean? That means that these new Christians, those people that didn't like them, they marched right into their house, stole everything they had, walked right out, left them empty-handed. And what they do? Did they cry about it? Did they, did they whine about it and say, oh, woe is me? No, the Bible says they took great joy in that. They said, we must be doing something right if we've made the devil this bad. I, I want you to know that when the dust settled, when the dust settled, though the enemy had assailed them, they were still standing. And that's what they're to call to their remembrance. They had endured affliction, they'd been through the fire, but God had never left their side. So the writer of Hebrews says, before you think about quitting, before you think about going back to your old life, you need to call to remembrance all that God has already brought you through. I like what the hymn writer John Newton said, through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. I don't know about you, dear friend, but when I think about how the Lord has walked with me step by step through every difficult circumstance of my life, listen, this may just be me, but I can't quit on a God like that. Not a God that walks step by step with me. I've never understood why people quit on God in the worst of times. I mean, just when they need Him most, they fall by the wayside. Does that make a bit of sense to anybody in the building today? When hard times come? I mean, that seems like when that's when you ought to get closest to the Lord. But, oh, you let a little affliction to come into somebody's life, and what will happen? They'll get up on Sunday morning and they'll say, I don't feel like going to church today. Honey, that's when you need to be in church. Somebody say amen right there. I, I think what you ought to do, if you want to quit on the Lord, don't wait till everything's going wrong. Quit on Him when everything's going right. And, well, I, I, I'm talking about wait till you go down there to the bank. And you check your balance and you find out there's $3,000 in there that you didn't know about. Well, wait till you go to the doctor and he says, oh, you're in perfect health. I don't need to see you for another year. Wait till your dog brings your slippers to the door and your wife cooks your favorite meal. Then on that day, just say, God, I'm done with living for you. You say, you're an idiot preacher. I can't quit living for God on a day like that. And I'd say, amen. You can't quit on a day like that. And if you wouldn't quit on a day like that, why would you quit when everything's going wrong? Why would you quit then? By the way, if you do quit on the Lord, you won't be happy. You won't be happy. You say, oh, I'll, I'll just quit living for the Lord and maybe things will mellow out in my life. No, they won't. You'll be more miserable than you are right now. Even if you're in affliction, you'll be more miserable. See, a Christian can't backslide and be happy with it. If you're really saved, you can't get away from the fire and not get cold. You're not going to be comfortable. You see, you've been recreated down on the inside. God has put a longing for the things of God and the, a desire to go to heaven one day. He's put all that down there in your heart. And you quit living that way, you can't be happy. If you read there at the end of verse number 34, that's the very thing that kept them going. He says, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a day-to-day -day where you will be ridiculed for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Young people, in a few weeks when y'all go back to school, 
I'm telling you, y'all been, y'all been ablaze for Jesus this week. I've been so proud of you. And I want you to know, when you get to school, if you publicly try to live over there at the hallways of North Paulton and South Paulton and East Paulton and Paulton County High School or higher, wherever you go, you're going to be ridiculed. People will make fun of you for living the way you live this week out there in the public arena. And, and what they'll try to do, they'll try to make a gazing stock out of you, like they said in this verse. They'll publicly try to embarrass you. I, I'm, I'm telling you, they'll call you a Bible thumper. They'll call you a holy roller. They'll call you the Virgin Mary. They'll call you something that they think is an insult to you. But when you're embarrassed, lest you get cold, just think about what God did in your life this last week. Look back and remember. He's too good a God to quit on, isn't it? And our young people said, Amen. He's too good a God to quit on. But listen, when you think about uh, just, just letting your power go out this week, think about how good God's been to you. I mean, if you want to go all the way back, think about how at Christmas He left heaven and He came to earth. Think about how at Calvary He died on the cross for you. Think about how after He died, he found you one day wherever you was at when you were lost and on your way to hell. And he told his sweet Holy Spirit to go over there and nudge you and woo you and convict you and draw you to the Father. Think about how he saved you and how about how every day after you got saved, he never left you, he never forsook you, he went with you through every storm in your life, through every affliction. Call to remembrance the former days. Look back and think how good God has been. Now, I want to tell you, beloved, if you'll do that, if you really love the Lord, you'll not be able to quit on Him now. I want you to know there's going to be battles, sure. There's going to be heartaches in the Christian life, sure. But it's worth it all to serve the Lord for one of these days. We're going to be ushered into a land where we are no longer the outcast. We're not going to be put on a display for reasons of embarrassment when we get to heaven. We will be trophies of grace when we get to heaven. One of these days, he says, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. I'm here to tell you, if you can quit right now, if you're just that close to just drop it on out, I, I, I want to tell you what the problem is. You have failed to remember everything God's done up to this point in your life. You say, oh, preacher, it's too hard. I, I want you to know it was hard last week. It, it was hard yesterday. But when you look back and remember it, God brought you through it, didn't he? I mean, you're still standing today. You know what that means? That means God's not through with you yet. God's not finished and you can look back and remember that just when you needed him most, he was always there. So look back and remember. But look ahead with me now down to verse number 35. Through the end of the chapter in these verses, the writer of Hebrews encourages us, encourages us to not only look back and remember, but number two, look up and continue. Look up and continue. Verse 35, he says now, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Cast not, therefore, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. The word confidence means assurance. Assurance. 
He didn't say don't throw away your salvation. He, he said don't throw away your assurance. Assurance. What he's telling us is that even in the most difficult times in the Christian life, we don't need to lose our assurance in the Lord. You can lose your assurance in a lot of things. You know, it's usually about this time of the year when I start to lose my assurance in the Atlanta Braves. Somebody say amen. I mean, they, they started out so many years looking like they was heading to the World Series. And by the time you start to see fall in the future, boy, they just seem to just always find a way to blow it. It's not long about this time when I stop, start losing my assurance in Washington. Just about the time you think they're going to do something good, they get to arguing with one another and calling each other names. You can't get along. And you lose your assurance if your government's even working for you anymore. Sometimes we lose assurance in things on this earth. But don't ever lose your assurance in the Lord. But sometimes we do. Sometimes I think we wonder. I know I do. We go through some hard times, some affliction, some fight. We wonder, does the Lord even know where I'm, where I'm at? Does the Lord even care about what I'm going through? Does the Lord even understand me? Is the Lord going to do anything about this? Or is He taking care of other folks? In, in, in verse 36... The writer of Hebrews tells us what we need when we start to think like that. When we start to think, does anybody care? He says in verse 36, he says, For you have need of patience. You have need of patience. The idea of patience is, is kind of like a soldier that's in the heat of a battle. A patient soldier doesn't lay down his weapon in the middle of battle and just offer himself to the enemy. And surrender. No, a patient soldier presses on through. When the battle's hot, he just gets in there with it. And he presses on through knowing that it can't last forever. It's either going to kill him or he's going to come through the other side. But it's not going to last forever. And I'm here to tell you today, your enemy wants you to just lay down in the middle of the battle. Let me tell you why. If the devil can get a red-hot child of God to just lay down in the midst of the battle... You're one less soldier he's got to worry about in the war. And so he wants you to just lay down, just quit. And so he'll come along and he'll whisper things in your ear like nobody loves you or that nobody cares about you or nobody knows what you're going through or, or, or well, he'll say to some of you, well, it's time to slow down, you've done enough, or, or just take it easy for a while. Well, the problem with that kind of thinking is that's not our mandate. In verse number 36, we're told what our mandate is. For you have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God. Say that with me. Done the will of God. Our mandate is not quit. Our mandate is keep doing the will of God. Keep doing what God's told us to do as long as He tells us to do it. When can I quit? When He tells you you can quit. And he's not writing any new letters these days, ladies and gentlemen. The next time he comes to tell you, he's going to tell you in person, it's time to quit and come on home. He's not giving any of his soldiers leave of absence from the battlefield. He tells us we're to stay committed to what we said we would do the day we got saved. What did we commit to? We committed to follow Jesus. In case somebody didn't tell you, let me tell you this. When you come to the altar and you say, God, I'm a sinner, 
forgive me of my sins and bring me into your family, what you're agreeing to in that moment is you are agreeing to be a follower of the leader of the family, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are agreeing to live under His house and abide by His rules, to do what He says to do. We don't just follow the Lord when it's convenient. We follow Him all the time. We don't follow the Lord when it's easy. We follow the Lord all the time. We don't just follow the Lord when it's popular. Young folks, at youth camp, it's popular to follow Jesus. At church, it's popular to follow Jesus. But tomorrow, at work, it's not going to be popular. Here in a week or two, at school, it's not going to be popular. I want to tell you, it's not hard to act like a Christian when you're around a bunch of Christians. What's hard is when you get at school or you get in the break room over at work and they start telling the dirty jokes and they start talking about uh, un, un, uh, un, uh, unrighteous business practices and, and start gossiping about other people. Then it's not easy to walk away and say, I'm a child of God. You're not going to put that garbage in my ears and use it as a trash can. You see, it's, it's, it's easy to live for the Lord when you're around everybody else that's living for the Lord. But we're not called to just live for God when it's popular to do so. We're called to live for Him all the time. You say, well, it's hard to do that. Then you just need some patience. You say, how do I get patience? Just trust God and pray. Trust God and pray. God may work some patience in your life through some of that trouble. You're going to follow God. You're going to glorify God when it's not easy to do it. Before you answer, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. Look at verse 37. He says, but yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Talking about the return of Jesus. It says, in a little while. Now, I know a little while doesn't seem like it's a little while, does it? It's been more than 2,000 years since he left out of here. It doesn't seem like a little while, but the Bible says it's just a little while. Let me tell you why it doesn't seem like a little while. Because anytime you're looking forward to something, it never seems like it gets here quick enough. Some of y'all remember when you was 15 years old, waiting to turn 16 to get your driver's license? Oh, 15 to 16, that's just a little while. But boy, when you're out there living it, it ain't a little while, is it? it takes forever, doesn't it, young people? It takes forever. And then when you're 16, 17, you're waiting for your senior year of high school to come along so you can put that cap and gown on and graduate. Well, it's just a little while to get through all that. It just goes by just like that, but... Not when you're in the middle of it. Seems like it takes forever. Or when you're trying to get through college, or you're waiting to find a wife or a husband. It just, it just takes a little while to happen, but it doesn't seem like it when you're waiting on it. But it's just a little while. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us that it may seem like a long time before Jesus comes, but you just be encouraged. You look up and continue because in just a little while, Jesus is going to come. It won't be long. Jesus is coming again. Don't quit now. Look up. Look for Jesus. And continue. Keep on keeping alive. Because it's going to be worth it. It'll be worth it. I love the song that says it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Listen to me, struggling brother, struggling sister. Don't quit just now. Don't quit now. You're, you're closer than you've ever been to the finish line. L listen to me. Young person, don't quit now. 
You're on the you're on the verge of doing something great for God. Don't quit now. You're on the verge of setting the course for your whole life. It's going to affect your family and the type of life you have from here on out. Don't quit praying now and living for God and winning souls now. Don't quit. Just do more. As senior adult, don't quit now. Well, I know it's easy to say, oh, I, I've served him long enough and it's time to let some of these young folks do it. I, I don't know about you. I've heard senior adults say that all my life. It's just, well, it's time to let the young crowd do it. Oh, the problem is I don't find a chapter and verse that says that you can quit when you get old. Somebody say amen or oh me. Y'all find that anywhere? I didn't find it. You say, well, I can't do what I used to. Well, then just do what you can do. I mean, if you get to where you can't do what you're doing now, Find you something else to do. I mean, I'll think about it. Brother Junior Axton down here. I'll, I'll pick on him for a second. He's told me he's going back to work down there in his shop. And he says he can't work like he used to. So he just goes down there and bosses the rest of them around. You just do what you can do. Amen. Do what you can do. Don't quit. Look up and continue. You say, well, it's hard. I don't know if I can. Oh, sure you can. Now, you got to have a little faith. That's what the next verse says. As it now begins to usher us into the 11th chapter, that faith chapter that we'll be in next week. It says, the just shall live by faith. That just means you got to keep on trusting Him now more than you've ever trusted Him. Keep on believing. Don't quit now. I mean, at any moment, He could break through the sky. He could break through in just any moment. Look at the end of verse 38. He says, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I wish everybody that said they were saved continued on to the end. But they don't. They don't. Some count the cost and say, well, it's just too much. It's just too hard. Well, verse 38 says, the Lord has no pleasure in them. Whether they're saved or lost, God has no pleasure in them. You see, it doesn't please the Lord when we draw back. That's not what real believers do anyway. Real believers, we persevere to the end. We keep on keeping on. We can't quit. We can't quit. We look up and continue knowing that one of these days our Lord is going to come. He's going to take pleasure in every child that remains faithful to the very end. Verse 39 talks about those that uh, drew back into perdition. But the writer of Hebrews very quickly says, that we're not a part of them, verse 39. We're not of them that draw back under prediction. We're, we're, we're not that crowd that's lost and going to hell. And we're not going to act like it. We're of that crowd that's going to stay by the staff. And we're going to keep on keeping on. We're not going to quit now. Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.